our brains interpret all change, not just the bad stuff, but all change or possible change as a potential threat. We have a stress reaction to every suggestion of change, even the good stuff, the stuff we worked for or hoped for. That being the case, it's really important to remember that if you are dealing with a lot of change, don't put a value judgment on it, good, bad, negative, positive. Change impacts your mental health. Hey everyone, I'm Maria Sansone and welcome to The Hub Today presents mom to mom I'm so glad you're here with me today. Let me start with a question. Are you stressed? Of course you are. Of course you are. If you are a living, breathing human being, you have stress in your life. And especially with everything going on in the world, there's just a lot to be stressed about. But my guest today is going to tell us that not only is some stress okay, it's totally normal, and it also can be good for us. So today I'm sitting down with Dr. Deborah Gilboa, and we are going to dive in to the topic of stress and anxiety. Dr. G is a parenting and resilient expert. She is the author of a new book called From Stressed to Resilient, The Guide to Handle More and Feel It Less. So today she's going to break down mental health myths, the top causes of stress for women in the workforce, and then she's got some real life solutions for handling that inevitable stress that will come our way. I think my biggest takeaway today is that she said that all change causes stress. Even good change in our life can cause stress. So with that, here is my conversation with Dr. G. Dr. G, it is so good to see you again. Thanks for joining us today. I'm really glad to be here. Thank you. Well, I don't know anyone out there who's not feeling a little bit of stress right now. I feel like that (laughs) pertains to absolutely everyone who is listening to this watching this. So I'm really glad you're here, especially because one of your main messages is to show people how to do stress better. And I, for one, would love to know how to do stress better. (laughs) So you're going to show us the way today? Absolutely. All right. So we're going to break down a few different things here. I, I first of all, kind of want to set the record straight on stress and anxiety and the difference. You know, There are stressors everywhere. And I think everyone on some level from itty bitty baby to, you know, adults like us, we have stress. And then there's another thing that turns into like an actual like clinical anxiety sort of thing. And are they two different things or are lines blurred? Not only are they two different things, there's a step in between. And that's feeling anxious. Feeling anxious is a normal feeling. It's in the range of feelings that we need. It helps to keep us safe. So you're driving down the highway, your car gives a clunk and starts to ride a little differently. If you didn't feel anxious at that moment, it could be really dangerous for you and everyone with you or near you, right? Exactly. Feeling anxious is a normal reaction to a potentially scary or dangerous situation. And our brains need anxious in its range of tools to deal with situations, to help us pay attention where our attention is really required at that moment. Some people say, oh, that's stressful. And that may be true. Stress is different than feeling anxious. Stress is noticing that there's change. It isn't only bad news or unexpected things that cause stress. Stress is about the chemicals that our brain releases in response to a change or a possible change. 
not just bad news, not just adversity, because for our brains, all change is stressful, not just the bad stuff or the unexpected stuff. And there's been a lot of change lately in these last few years. It feels like we're constantly that, faced with changes. Right. I think change isn't new, but the rate of change has really picked up. So we feel like the last couple of years, everywhere I look or go or even think about is change. And I think that's the thing. I don't think any of us haven't experienced change before. There are great changes. And, you know, every kid wants change. They want to be older. They want to be bigger. They want to do new stuff change itself doesn't um threaten but the rate of change keeps picking up and so that's i think what's causing us to feel overwhelmed by the stress that all change brings mm, almost like no time to recover in between these yeah, big changes even. that are coming yeah. for us every day but i like how you're calling out that stress isn't necessarily a bad thing like you said right. it's part of the hum human process it's actually a safety feature that's built in for us and you have some ways that we can actually use it to our advantage. Here's the thing about stress. When we didn't pick it, it's super frustrating, but often we pick it because the goal, the bigger goal is worth it. We say, yes, I would like to have that new friend or yes, I want to apply for that better job or yes, I would like to grow my family in some way, knowing that that's going to be stressful, but worth it. It's a part of yeah. who we want to be or what we think is the right thing to do next. Some change comes some change comes at us without our permission and all change brings stress, like I said, and the change that comes at us without our permission, the first thing we can do is make a decision. Is it unavoidable like a bad diagnosis. It's unavoidable. You didn't pick it, but you also can't walk away from it. It is. So if it's unavoidable, we got that's got to be some stress that we focus on or if it's avoidable, like some of those other things I mentioned, but useful, we want it. So unavoidable or useful stress, we should approach. Avoidable and useless stress, we should set some boundaries and walk away from. Oh, like an example of that would be? An example of that would be a neighbor who tries to have an argument with you that isn't about something on your property. Okay. Right? They say, yeah. they try to get you into a, a neighborhood conversation about who's mm. parking where on your street mom i don't have time and, for this and you can say hey i hear that that's hard for you i'm not going to take that on right now but i hope it goes the way you want it to oh i love that what a kind way of acknowledging what's going on a little bit of empathy big boundaries big not my boundary, circus buddy little empathy right real clear I like that. I want to ask you this because when you're talking about the feeling of stress and that, that feeling of having anxious feelings, I remember someone saying to me once that the feeling of stress and the feeling of excitement were very, very close. So when you're talking about turning it into a positive thing and stuff, sometimes, you know, in my business, we have to get up in front of large crowds or whatever, and you feel those butterflies. And so I'll tell myself now, like, oh no, you're just excited. You're just excited. That's not anxiety. That's excitement. <laughs> It's pretty much the same chemical in your brain. And if you think about this, Maria, if you never had butterflies, it would be really easy to get up there without having prepared what you wanna say or set an intention for how you wanna serve this community that you're about to speak to. Because your brain says, hey, pay attention to this. This is a thing. 
It doesn't even have to have a value judgment. This is a thing. It's got my heart rate going. You set an intention or you do a little extra prep or you bring more of your focus to that. And that's really valuable. Stress is our brain's way of saying, this is a thing, pay attention to it. We do this with kids all the time. Little kids don't have enough anxiety, most of them, about things that are dangerous. Mm. In that two or three-year-old age range, we spend a lot of time saying, you have to come down from there, that's too high. Or you have to hold my hand when we cross the street, the cars are dangerous. We let kids know, you have to be stressed about the things that could kill you. You do, right? right? It has to get your attention and cause you to focus. And that feeling that you're describing, whether you describe it as anxiousness or excitement or stress, It is your brain's way of focusing your attention so that you succeed in that setting. So what I'm hearing is our body is constantly giving us messages and we have to pay attention. Our brains have a million functions, but really only one job. And that job is to keep us alive. Since the good news is we are currently alive, our brains are wired to be suspicious of all change and make sure it's not dangerous. So Dr. G, talking so much about stress and how important it is to listen to our body, I want to talk about how this is a bigger conversation that plays into mental health and something that thankfully a lot more people are talking about. And it just seems that it's on more people's radars, which is a wonderful thing. But you're going to break down four myths about mental health for us. Yeah, let's do that because I think it will free people up to think about things a little differently. Okay. The first is we still have a cultural belief that mental health is a matter of willpower. That if you are strong enough to do your mindfulness or your yoga or your exercise or take good care of yourself, that that's it, that's the answer. That's not true. Mental health is like physical health. There's a great deal that you can do to support it and it can deteriorate despite your best efforts. That's good. The second thing I want to talk about is this idea that mental health is only impacted by negative things. We've spoken, Maria, about how our brains interpret all change, not just the bad stuff, but all change or possible change as a potential threat. We have a stress reaction to every suggestion of change, even the good stuff, the stuff we worked for or hoped for. That being the case, it's really important to remember that if you are dealing with a lot of change, Don't put a value judgment on it, good, bad, negative, positive. Change impacts your mental health. And it's important to know that even when everything that's going on around you might be called good by society, Mm. well, but you got a promotion and you had a new baby and you got to move to a new house. All of those things impact your mental health in much the same ways that what society thinks is bad change impacts your mental health. I'm glad you mentioned that, especially after having a baby and starting a family, a lot of women find themselves in a position where they're like, I have everything I have ever wanted. This is what I dreamed of. How could it be hard? I find myself so stressed and so overwhelmed and it's so hard, but shame on me for feeling this way because I'm so blessed. And that shame really negatively impacts your mental health. Okay, which brings us to, I think a third really important point, which is, We have this idea that not only is mental illness the opposite of mental health, which isn't true. We believe that once you have mental illness, illness, that's it. It's a lifelong condition. Just like with your physical health, when you could, I have, so rather than put this on you, I'll say I have had pneumonia 
where I was really sick for more than a week, had to step back from my obligations, really needed a lot of support, therapies, treatment. And then I fully recovered. And it's been years and I've never had pneumonia since. And there's no reason to think that I would any more than anybody else. But when we talk about that with mental health issues, we don't have that idea in our society. We believe once you've had mental illness, you always will, you're not as healthy overall, you're, there's some sort of underlying instability. And that's not the case. So we tend to call it mental distress. Everybody has periods of mental distress in their childhood and their adult life, just like we have periods of physical illness mm -hmm. that can, with the right help and therapies, resolve completely. Less than 20% of our society experiences chronic mental illness. I'm thinking specifically about like periods of depression when you're talking about that, how maybe that's not a lifelong sentence. Maybe that's a season. Which people can period. understand when we, when we call it grief. But as soon as you say depression, they think, oh, this is always going to be a thing for you. But when I say pneumonia, you probably don't think, oh, this is always going to be a thing for you. Right making the assumption that just because you or someone you know has had a struggle with their mental health, they are now sort of fundamentally unstable at their base is a wrong assumption and a pretty damaging one. And probably a bigger conversation that needs to be had about the stigma around mental illness, which we could do an entire week Absolutely. Yes. And it brings us actually to the last myth I wanted to point out. And that is this idea that your mental health is either all good or all bad. Oh. in any given moment or in any given lifetime or anywhere in between. Just like I could fall and hurt my wrist, but be otherwise healthy, right? And feel pretty good, except man, my wrist. I can have anxiety around something that's happening in my life in one aspect, but be overall pretty good, et cetera, et cetera. So this idea that your mental health is all stable or all unstable is really a misnomer. And it really leaves people either pretending when they are experiencing a struggle or feeling broken when they're experiencing a struggle. And neither is 100% true. So when it comes to mental health as a whole, what's been your experience? It does feel for me, just on the outside looking in, not as a professional, that the conversation has changed. And like I said, people are being more transparent about it, maybe thanks to social media or celebrities speaking up. I don't know what it is. And kids, the kids will lead us in this. And kids, yeah. So are you seeing more conversations, the right conversations happening around this? Especially in teen and young adult spaces. They compare notes about their therapists. They suggest to other people, hey, I think therapy would be useful to you in this situation. You know, in middle school classrooms or lunchrooms, in conversations in break rooms at work, people are saying, yeah, well, when I struggle with my mental health, I do these things. Have you thought about any of those things? And are kids struggling more these days with mental health or are we just more aware of it and they're getting the help that they need and these problems always existed? Yes, these problems always existed. I wish I could say that we're just more aware of it, but that's not true. The research is really clear in the last five years and certainly the last two years that kids are struggling more with their mental health. So women are caring a lot right now. And as we've said all along, it's a very stressful time. I want to talk specifically for a little bit about working women, professional women, um, because there's this, that extra piece on their plate. And in a time where we feel like we have no bandwidth, <laughs> it can be hard to keep it all straight. So 
bandwidth I know is one of them. And I'm very excited to talk about this because I have conversations with my friends about forgetfulness. And I've been saying to them, and I don't know if this is true or not, that we have a finite amount of bandwidth in our brains and it is being consumed by everything that's happening at work, everything that's happening at home with the kids and then social media, which takes up so much stuff. And it's just all of this information. I don't think I have enough space for it. So let's talk about bandwidth and how it contributes to or how it plays into this stress story that we're telling. A lot of professional women are expressing personally and professionally and out in public that they just feel constantly like there's something they're forgetting or they're missing something. They're worried that they're missing what's going on with their kids or they're not doing enough to support their parents or their work either isn't getting enough of them or the perception from their work is that they're not getting enough of them, that there's this feeling of being not quite enough. And that feeling that no matter what you're accomplishing, you're falling short is really damaging and I cannot think of a silver lining to it. I cannot find in the research or in my own experience a way that it makes us better at what we're doing, stronger in our relationships, more successful in any way. It always feels like um, I'm on like a, one of those scales. And it's like, if uh, things are going really great at work, then things at home are like, yeah, like C minus. And if things are going really great at home, then things are sort of like falling apart at work. Like you can't be all things to all people is the way that I've, always felt. It just doesn't seem when people say, can you do it all? Not really. I mean, yes, I got some great advice. I got some great advice from a mentor years ago. She said, you can do it all if you judge yourself over a season and not over a day or a week. Brilliant. There are weeks where my kids need more of my focus. We've talked about that attention, that worry or stress brings us to like, oh, I'm having a feeling about my teenager. I should put more focus there. There are days or even hours where one of my kids or one of my clients or one of my patients need more of my attention and that you can find balance in your life if you're willing to look with a long enough lens. If you're willing to say, oh, 2011, I'm just kidding. If you're willing to say (laughs) that, you know, in this season, I had some balance, especially if you were dealing with a really big change, like a job change or the loss of someone close to you in your life, you're going to need to widen that lens and look at a longer season to get some sort of balance. But I think the biggest issue here is to focus less on what we're missing and give ourselves credit for what we are doing, as well as connecting to more people who are offering to be our backup. I like that. You got to play fair with yourself. We are fair to everybody else. You got to play fair with yourself and giving yourself that grade at the end of every day can be a real problem. So I like that. Your pillow is not the right place for that feedback conversation. But you know, it's where it happens, especially if you have trouble sleeping, which is again, a whole nother episode. But I want to talk about this because this is straight out of my real life playbook. But this concept of imposter syndrome is I know something that that's that you're dealing with, um, with the people that you're talking to. And I'm hearing it all the time from my friends. And the more acclaimed someone is in their field, and that field could be as a parent, right? Not only award-winning, whatever, the more competent someone is perceived as being in any area of their life, 
the more likely they are to suffer from imposter phenomenon. And that's the, the idea. The more likely. More likely. So that means the more experienced, the more professional, the better they are at what they Higher do. Higher profile, whatever it is. So, and, and just to be clear for everybody, imposter phenomenon is the idea that however good you are at something, you're not as good as people think you are and you're getting away with something. That belief, because of what's called negative self-bias, which I just wrote about recently on my website, is something that everyone experiences no matter their level of competence. We've all experienced somebody who was way more confident in an area than they deserve to be, right? They thought they were great at it and they weren't. But in general, people, the more competent they are perceived to be at something, the more likely they are to have this imposter phenomenon because we know our missteps better than anyone else. We know our failures or our journey. We know what we think about doing and don't actually get to. So we're judging ourselves on a different scale. But there's a solution to this. And the solution to this is actually, well, it's twofold. One, what if you showed yourself the same grace and empathy that you show your people? What if you were as good a friend to you as you are to them? And the other is to see not if you're attaining every goal you have, but if you're living your priorities. So if your priorities are to uh, take good care of the people who live in your home, to be somewhat healthy yourself, and to be committed to whatever your professional mission is, are those three places where you're putting most of your time. And if they are, then you are actually doing the best you can right now. And that is actually what your people, yourself, and your work mission need from you. Now, your three priorities might be different than those three, that's fine. All you have to do is name your three priorities and then look at your calendar and your to-do list and see if they're aligned. And if they are, don't worry about the imposter phenomenon. This is great. And I really like wrapping things up with a solution. And I'm really glad we covered imposter syndrome because it's one of those things that keeps coming up. This went way, way too fast. We are practically out of time. But before we go, I want to talk about your new book real quick. I happen to have it right here. I happen to have it right here. Congratulations from stress to resilience. So that is out now and available in all the places. All the places. If you want to try a free stress tracker yourself and get a couple of tailored strategies, it's just to come to my site at stressedtoresilient.com and take my stress tracker and I'll give you a couple of strategies for your situation. We like a strategy. Dr. G, thank you so much for being here. Great to see you again. Thanks so much, Maria. Okay, that's a wrap. I hope you're all feeling a little less stressed today. Thank you so much for being here. If you are in the New England area, remember you can watch Mom to Mom as a TV show. That's on Mondays at 11.30 a.m. And you can catch all of our episodes of Mom to Mom podcast style wherever you listen to your podcast. So go out in the world, be a little less stressed or be stressed, but just know how to deal with it now. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next week.